0: Scene. I'm Steve, and joining me this week, he spent his wife's entire birthday week watching pornography. It's Jack Eason.
1: You know, it, this isn't shit. This isn't even a Patreon thing. I can't blame we did this as a granting. You know, oh, this is entirely uh,
2: <laughs> this is entirely
1: your fault and Adam's fault. And next week's gonna get even worse. So great. I'm thankful <laughs> that December I'm gonna watch more stuff that I want to watch.
2: You know, by yes. my count, we're up to like five weeks in a row, technically, of of uh, pretty horny business. Because we, we did finish out Sean Tober with notoriously horny Clive Barker, as well as very horny David Dakota. Uh, we also, I, I would say that
0: the, even the week prior to that was horny. You're to tell me, like, Creep isn't a horny movie?
2: It opens with a stripper's butthole. Like, uh, come on. Yeah, fair, fair.
3: Whoa! What do I see? Uh, this? We've
2: got quite a streak going. Yeah, uh, this is why we're we're hemorrhaging patrons left and right. Yeah, hemorrhaging yeah. patrons, hemorrhaging listeners. Yeah, uh, but
0: it, goddamn, it's it's erotic in it's here for the greater and, good. Yeah, it's it's for the greater good. Uh, also joining us, uh, we got Adam Myros. Hey,
2: hey, Steve! You know you guys have been uh, poo pooing my uh, my claims that we're doing our best to aid in the solution uh to the israel-palestine conflict and yeah. lo and behold uh we have recently uh cracked the top 50 uh film review podcasts in uh in israel so uh what? i mean <laughs> i gotta tell you you mean I, palestine? I was right all along i do mean <laughs> palestine but you know we, we can only we gotta go by the, the labels that uh Big podcast has, has placed in a given country or region That's in this so, so Norway and
1: Israel are our home base now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I assume we're probably number one on the Gaza Strip. I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, also joining us, he's
0: back again this week because he he can't get enough of I don't know fake rubber cocks and Italian pornos. It's Jake. <laughs> Hey, Steve.
3: You know, it's like uh, my main man Fred Durst once said. You want to hear it? Sure. Life's just a blast. It's moving really fast. If you watch a Tinto film, you'll see a lot of ass.
0: That's right, baby. That's right. Listen, I I have been so immersed in the Tinto. Uh, This is the horny level that we're at. What's what's the horniest disease you can get? Anybody want to venture a guess?
3: Autoerotic asphyxiation
0: uh hepatitis that's, that's C? not a disease no. that's a that's a cure sure in a syndrome
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no no the most erotic disease of them all mono and i've got it oh okay hmm. now a, a lot of people are probably saying steve you're you're a kind of an older guy here what, what are you how did you get mono are you playing beer pong are you are you running around kissing kissing ladies and the answer is no. I mostly just sit in my fucking basement. I work from home. I'm a podcast guy. What, what do you think I fucking do for a living? Uh, not anything. That <laughs> You're making a living mono.
2: off this, Steve?
0: No, no, I'm not. I'm making a living with a day job that pays me to do things that are adjacent to what we do. Uh, but it turns out talking about the erotic cinema of Tinto Brass is not a way to, <laughs> to you know, make a nine to five. But, yeah, I feel like a can of soup a month there, Bouncey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Tinto's worth, but yeah, I mean, literally the moment I started watching hardcore pornography for this film, i uh, I felt deathly ill, and uh, here I am, mm-hmm. motto man, so yeah, ever, it's i've I've had it since uh, I mean, according to the doc, probably since October. So if we take our full erotic arc that we've been on, i i I gotta trace it to this podcast. You guys are the reason why I sound like absolute shit and could barely talk, so good on you well steve
3: your voice Anyways. is still great you've gone from sounding like young leonard cohen to old leonard cohen
1: <laughs> oh, and wouldn't Tinto brass himself said to me wouldn't tindo brass himself say that there's a crack in everything that's how the light gets in
2: <laughs> there's a crack oh in everything God. important
0: so... <laughs> good lord well, if you haven't guessed yet, we are talking about the ass king of Italy, Tinto Brass. And he's, he's a man who's well known for his, his pornography and his uh, salacious cinema. Uh, particularly, I think he's famous mostly for his lost cut of Caligula, uh, which he was <laughs> battled like a, a lengthy years long lawsuit over because uh, his version was hacked to shit by a producer. Uh, but I, I don't think your average cinephile has actually watched much Tinto Brass. So luckily, we're here to help you out, dear listener. Um, if you're wondering, what's up with this guy? Does he just make pornos? Not exactly. Tinto Brass, he actually he cut his teeth, making everything from you know spaghetti westerns to avant-garde art films. Uh, he made a movie in, I think it was 1968, called The Howl which is fucking wild and probably has more in common with Godard's uh, Weekend or some of the Czech New Wave stuff we watched than anything we watched this week. Uh, he would frequently, during this early period, shoot without a script. Shocking. Uh, and his reason was, because his main producer was uh, Dino De Laurentiis, and De Laurentiis would be like, I don't know if I want to give you money to make weird shit. And Tinto Brass would, of course, yell at him and say that History runs and cinema cannot walk. So there you go. Uh, Oddly enough, why did Tinto Brass pivot to erotic cinema? Two reasons, as far as I can tell. One, he loves ass in any shape, form. The man loves ass. Second, he said in several interviews that I went through that he got tired of censorship. So he thought that moving to porno was the solution to his problems, which I, I would not have pivoted in that direction personally, but there you go. And, uh, there's this great quote from him where he said, to me, the word erotic means a struggle for freedom. If you feel free sexually, you are able to make changes in society. Social change takes place when one power is changed by another. Women are able to explore their erotic feelings easier than men. At any rate, they are more honest about these feelings. In this respect, I hope women will take charge of the world. This is our only hope. Tinto Brass, the ultimate male feminist?
2: That's what I got from these films. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Case closed.
0: Well, I guess we'll start with uh, Salon Kitty. It's as good a good place as any. And, Myros, I, I want to start our discussion of Tinto Brass' as Salon Kitty, a known feminist Tinto Brass and the movie Salon Kitty, by asking you this. When you're jerking your hog, Do you Mm -hmm. prefer to touch yourself while watching actual animals being slaughtered or Nazis?
2: Mm, I I mean, there's there's plenty of Nazi erotica, as as we've discovered again and again this month, so I, I guess... You know, I'm going to go with <laughs> I'm going to go with the lesser of two evils here. And uh, can I, can and, I give uh, you a
3: side with Hitler? Can I give you a third option? What about uh, dwarf humpback amputees?
2: How does that get you? Oh, mm. yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's a big, big turnout. This is
0: actually my favorite kind of pornography because it's someone <laughs> saying, I dare you to jack off to this. it's just like it's the least erotic erotic filmmaking one can make uh but hey that's that's salon kitty jake you want to give us a breakdown of of what this movie actually is yeah Uh, because the best i can come up with for a synopsis is like I don't know. It'd be a good double feature with uh, Bob Fosse's cabaret. That's all I could think of. Yeah,
3: <laughs> It's a little cabaret. It's also, I don't know if you remember, I think we watched it for the pod even, uh, Red Sparrow, the Jennifer Lawrence movie where she's a spy who goes into whorehouse training before she can seduce and assassinate political targets. Basically, yeah, Nazis <laughs> have taken over a brothel. It's the eve of World War One. We actually get into Poland being invaded by Hitler in this film. And a gaggle of attractive young women are hired to work in the brothel, seduce enemy officers, get intel, and if needed, assassinate. And uh, one of them, whom we follow, uh, basically turns coat and goes against the Nazis and leads to the demise of the uh, commander in charge. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just an excuse to have these... Grandiloquent set pieces where women line up nude in giant staged arenas and then followed by sequences of people just walking down corridor after corridor while they look into peepholes and seeing women having sex with some of the most grotesque looking men you'll you'll ever see in your life. Um, This is actually the film. This is what got Tinto Brass Caligula Bob Guccione was the producer of Penthouse magazine. He wanted to make Caligula. He saw this, and he's like, oh, this is the guy for the job. He, Tinto Brass turned Caligula into a Tinto Brass film, and Bob Guccione's like, what the fuck are you doing? So he took a skeleton crew and some <laughs> of his Playmate models onto the these similar large, grandiose sets and then just filmed unsimulated sex acts and then spliced those into the movie, and that's what was released at Cannes in 1979. But, <laughs> but yeah, so... That's basically Salon Kitty, and it's it's overlong. There's a lot of uh, performances in the brothel, a lot of singing, a lot of cabaret acts, a lot of footage of Hitler. You know, it's got everything you need.
2: Yeah, I mean, we—it's a strange strange one, right? It's it's almost like it's like two things like smooshed together. Like it is. Yeah. In some respects, when you look at like the Margarita Helmut Wallenberg, or yeah, that relationship is. It's fucked up. Like you, you're watching this movie for the first fifteen to twenty minutes, and you're like, "Oh, this is going to be a fucked up and interesting movie." Like it reminded me a lot of a sort of thing Cronenberg uh, might tackle in his his later, more dry era. You know, when he was when he was uh, working mostly in drama, and it seemed really interested in the psychology of uh, the Nazis and especially the populace under the Nazis. Uh, and how, you know, it sort of has this bizarre power dynamic and, and this endless thirst for power. And you're like, okay, there's something really interesting here, but then stapled onto it is this body fucking cabaret thing that it doesn't work or fit. And, uh, the whole movie is just kind of odd and flabby, but, uh, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's interesting. I suppose I, it's not something I, I regret watching. <laughs> it sounds like you just described me. <laughs> yeah. Odd and flabby, but interesting, I suppose.
1: <laughs> it's, um, I, I think it is stuck between various points, because, I mean, first of all, it's based on a true story, so it's one of the, you know, nominally, which is one of those those elements that lends it a certain kind of uh, credibility that I think Brass probably took more seriously than mm, I would watching the film, for example. Um, And it came in the back of, I mean, this is really... This was 76 this came out. There's like really, I think two films probably made this movie possible. Um, And one of those films was Deep Throat, which was the breakthrough porno that basically kind of really kind of kicked off the porno chic concept of actual like erotica and sex movies being bankable entities. And then the second was probably uh, uh Liliana Cavani's um, The Night Porter, which was about 74, which... Quite, I'm not I'm not 100% sure on the chronology but I think The Night Porter is probably maybe the first Nazi exploitation film by not actually being a Nazi exploitation film but mixing sex and Nazi imagery in a art house serious way That caused an enormous amount of controversy and kicked off uh, some clever Canadian producers to come up with Ilsa the She-Wolf within a year (laughs) and pretty much just come in with like Nazis and sex and just kind of run with it. You know, and Nazi exploitation, it's a really kind of objectionable, controversial genre that it was spearheaded by uh, several Israeli businessmen which is a very, a very strange balance of things and really harks, I think, uh, back Jack, to...
2: Uh, let's not insult our fine listeners in Israel. Is, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the truth,
1: though. I think, I believe the producers of of the She-Wolf are Jewish, if I remember correctly. Um, and, it, you know, and it kind of goes back, I think, in part way to the, the themes of something like The Night Porter, of that, you know, Holocaust survivor and her captor recreating... Their scenario after the world war in a very troubling, dark kind of sexual veil. Salon so Kitty comes, I think, very much in in the the backdrop of that. I think Tinto Brass is very much get that idea in mind, but he's also Tinto Brass. He's he's romantic. He's uh, much more. He he's very much into like the kind of the Fellini esque kind of grandiose kind of like a, a classical cinema mode. I think you know. I think he's a man of another time it's absolutely bonkers to me that one of the films we are going to talk about in this episode was made in 2000. Tinto Brass does not seem like a man who could exist in the year 2000, and he's still alive. I, I just kind of assumed Tinto Brass was like 20 to 30 years older than he apparently is, and that he probably passed away in the 90s, <laughs> happily knee-deep in, you know, pussy or whatever. But apparently not, not no, he's still no, still no. kicking around. But yeah, so Sal and Kitty, to me, uh, it, it, there's, it's a beautiful looking film. I think it's it's worth noting, right? For anyone who's not sure about this, okay, um, Ken Adam is the production designer of this movie. The movie Ken Adam made before this movie uh, was Barry Lyndon with Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Ken Adam also is, as you known, Jake and I discussed many, many times in For Your Years Only, he's the James Bond guy. He's designed all of the iconic secret layers of, of of various Bond villains and everything. He's a genius. He's, he's a major, major production design figure. He designed Salon Kitty, and it looks incredible. I mean, it's it's absolutely mm-hmm. remarkable. He's, you know, Jake's comment about, like, endless corridors and, God, mirrors. Uh, mirrors are a recurring thing. Tinto Brass is like, there's two things Tinto Brass cannot uh, kind of keep cameras away from. That's mirrors and women's asses, and that's pretty much his entire filmography in a nutshell. Uh, it's a really opulent, beautiful looking film. I just don't think there's, I don't think the severity of it is is earned and, and I don't think it really manages to come away saying anything. It just kind of, it's a very, it's a very lush kind of facile film, you know, which, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. I think, I think, but I think I prefer later films from Brass where he leans into being just kind of like cutesy and funny and goofy, uh, you know. But anyhow, that's a, a broad based thing. But I think it is interesting. This is kind of like right at that cusp of the porno chic and Nazi exploitation where neither of those things I think were fully enveloped and he are fully developed. And, and Brass kind of was doing his own thing, which turned out like it's very unusual. It's a strange film. Uh, Steve, you, you coined this as middle core, which I think is, is genuinely <laughs> it's it's weird because yeah, Tinder Brass films are not really they're they're more uh, revealing than soft core. They're not really hardcore, although there are ever so often hardcore elements introduced in a few of the films, but they're certainly not like hardcore pornos, and they're somewhere in between, just a little bit more revealing, but not full-on like sex films, they're somewhere in between, they're middle core, and it's, uh, I mm. can't think of anyone else who makes these films.
0: No, no, absolutely, and, and you're right too, I mean, this is, it's its totally a, a product of its time like there's just this brief window where people were like yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna throw you a shitload of money to make opulent pornography Mm -hmm. and here you go tinto brass Uh, but it is interesting because he's he's such a talented guy like he's got such a fucking eye for this stuff and just watching his budget shrink by the time we get to you know say cheeky in 2000 and he, he may not have the the opulent sets but at the same time you're like i don't know guy could still shoot the hell out of any fucking interior imaginable it's it's unbelievable how good this movie looks he, he but, fucking italians is, man
1: <laughs> but yeah he proves yeah, like seriously. a mirror is is you know, yeah. if you know how to place a mirror in a shot you can you don't need money apparently you can just do whatever i'll be like oh that's amazing uh, maybe i'm simple-minded yeah. or maybe mirrors are just that powerful we'll never know.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, And and then, you know, the other thing is, too, is like I mentioned earlier, uh, Tinto Brass also good at making erotic films that make you question what's erotic. And yeah, it it is kind of wonderful because you're blown away by just the beauty of of the sets and and how this is shot. And and these movies look absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. And then you have these erotic elements. But then also you have his, you know, rascal provocateur side and and it's like, well, yeah, this is a oh, it's a, a beautiful shot of a naked woman, but also Nazis and pigs and like a bread dildo. And why, why are there like penis darts? What it's it's a lot, man. Oh, God, worth noting the, the guy dildo. throwing <laughs> the
1: penis darts is a, a cameo from a key actor best known for Solo which, you know, again, another reference mm-hmm. point, I guess, um,
0: yeah, but nowhere near point.
1: Yeah. You know, and Bras again, I just think Brask lacks the he he doesn't have the severity of Pasolini to make Salo something truly transgressive and important. Salon Kitty is like I think it's right. really funny when you watch something like Salon Kitty because it's like essentially these women are brought in as good German Aryan stock to be prostitutes and the design obviously of the, the Nazi guy who's doing this is that he wants to basically gather dirt, he bogs the rooms, he wants the women to basically write reports of every man that they spend time with, to basically have blackmail material, and that's a conception. But he he builds it up to this idea that it's, you know, a regenerative element of the the German army, that these these Aryan prostitutes will learn to overcome all of their own transgressions and become like grand vessels of, you know, fortitude and so on. Which is an incredibly goddamn funny thing, because then they go into the testing scene, whereas we've mentioned, they have sex with people with physical uh, ailments and, and disfigurements and so on, and uh, a gypsy is so quoted within it who's just a man with a lot of tattoos uh, who just looks like a horrible <laughs> caricature they've pulled out of anything, you know, and all this goofy shit. And it's like, you know, this is all the proof, like they've overcome all their inhibitions. And then you just hit like a lesbian scene, and it is two women who are so deeply uncomfortable with kissing each other that I am, by proxy, incredibly uncomfortable watching it. And it's just like, oh, this is... It doesn't play, essentially, even within its own contextual kind of parameters. It's kind of funny. I i think it's, you know, uh, one of the things that these movies, it's, you know, people are all in this to do it for money. I'm pretty sure all those women are doing their best, but uh, maybe they'd prefer not to be there if they didn't have to be. So... Yeah, cool stuff. Th-
0: that that was interesting too, because it's I I felt the same way you did, where I was like, oh, I I, I don't know. It seems like there's some people here aren't very comfortable with what's going on. Uh but then again, Tinto Brass interview where he's talking about this movie and he's just like. Oh, the women loved it. They loved, like, exploring their characters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have the feeling Brass really? may not be entirely resident in our reality. And I don't, you know, I, I think he's exactly the kind of guy who comes away with the notion that young women are enraptured with him while they're just trying to be really polite. Just get that mm-hmm. sensibility. You know, it's like we were talking about Russ Meyer last week. And, like, it really, if you listen to the actresses who worked with Russ Meyer recount their time with him, it's an incredibly like sliding scale of women who thought he was an arch misogynist and women who thought he was positively charming and somewhere in the middle are women who were like he was a type and he was charming but you know there was this and that and you're like okay fair enough brass just seems like i don't know he everything about him is pretty much just like he's obsessed not just with women but with young women <laughs> and uh, he's not a young man mm. when he made the later films certainly so you just kind of have to wonder, feel like, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of creepiness in, in all of this inherent. But at the same time, I'm about to say, like one of the later films where he's an older man, og- ogling younger women. The women stay the same age in all of his movies. Uh, you know, it's it's honestly better than this. So, you know, well, mine maybe am maybe completely Well, I mean, I would <laughs> say know. preferable I, to I this. think
2: this is like such a, a, a bizarre thing because you look at it on paper, and you watch again this opening stuff through this testing scene, which also, by the way, I, th- I think one of the best uh, jokes in any of these movies is, for whatever reason, they they've convinced themselves that the Aryan corpse uh, rocks like forty percent slower than uh, the the diseased uh, African stock or something. Complete what? nonsense. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. that's good. Uh, yeah, this is uh, again. There's really weird barbed stuff in this, and he's got all this again slaughterhouse footage just slapped in. And you're like, you are thinking in a Pasolini mold, and yet the movie is. I think Jack, you described it as is almost like an Oscar movie. You know, we, it does have that classic Hollywood lifeblood, and it does not feel particularly transgressive despite how hard it's trying
3: (laughs) yeah yeah no it's definitely a film it it looks like if you take out the the sex and nudity it it would definitely be like a film that's fighting to win the oscar at least on a production scale it's it's you know it's something that oscar loves they love the the period drama with just the extravagant costumes and set design and and uh, you Tinto know doesn't matter is
0: Babylon. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. This is better than Babylon, but yeah, that's uh, oh, yeah. Just by a, by a mile. <laughs> just a just a just just a largely dull picture, at least compared to the other two we watched, in my humble opinion.
0: Yeah, I I was actually thinking about this um kind of compared to the Emmanuel films and Emmanuel in America, and I I think it was uh, was it Will sloan Somebody was was talking about how. They went to a screening of *Emmanuel* in America and it was weird sitting in the theater and just like watching it all the way through because it's so like just thoughtlessly paced because a lot of these movies were slapped together because it's like, all right, you're going to put this on screen and some Italian businessman on his fucking lunch break is going to just walk in and watch 10 minutes of this and then fucking walk out. And all I can think about is if you see a poster for Salon Kitty. It's 1976, there's just like a a sexy dancing cabaret lady on the poster, and then you're some fucking Italian sleazebag guy on his lunch break, and you walk in and watch 10 minutes of this. How are you even processing what's going on? I, I can't even imagine what <laughs> that would be like.
1: Worth noting, uh, this shares Maria Piafusco is a writer on this, and also a writer of Emmanuel in America and several other Emmanuel movies. So we do yeah. have shared DNA here, uh, pretty directly. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think Brass is. I mean, I think he's going for something very serious here. I think he's he's taking the text very seriously. The lax pacing, I think, is in part because he's, I think, in in sway to several other films solo partially but i think certainly cabaret absolutely completely uh, enamored with that concept of the decadence of the life of the, the nightlife the the explorations the sexuality the sensuality of it under the light of of authoritarianism i think he's, he's very you know he's basically like i mean he's very into that and he i think he understands that's something that can be very potent and it's just a question of what well, you know. How well does he tease that out himself? And I think, whereas in those other movies, I think you, those those elements intermingling work quite well. He's maybe not getting the balance right. It's just sort of like here's uh you know um what's name Ingrid Tullen or what I can't remember the Bergman actress uh, just doing a random musical number, and it's kind of like, yep, that's that is occurring here. That's what's happening. And it's like it it doesn't really capture either side of things completely convincingly so it's it's just sort of you know I mean it's not like I I, I'm coming down a little hard on the film I it's not like I was like absolutely you know appalled by it or bored or thought it was terrible it's just like it is it's an interesting construct but it just feels like a film that was kind of of its time and in sway to several other better films and uh, I think brass is maybe his his his, his kind of object of desire is out of his reach right here. He doesn't quite have the grasp for it.
2: It's too much of a real movie, essentially. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. this is. Uh, I I don't know. I uh, that concept of uh, it's not where I thought Steve was going. I guess is that uh, when he said, "If you walked in and for ten minutes of uh, a in America," I'm like, "You better not pick the wrong ten minutes in that film." Nah, uh, horse time. <laughs> horse, you'd be pleased with the horse compared to what you might find at the tail end. <laughs> Christ Almighty! <laughs> Imagine the poor businessman just going in for a, a quick rub, and then <laughs> that's what he gets. Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think this movie is—you know—you could accuse, and people have, or accuse, or or credit, frankly. But you know, a lot of Italian filmmakers of the era, especially the ones dabbling in genre, would. the opulence is everything and the female body is uh, paramount to that and this is uh, brass is taking that to to the uh, highest the the farthest extent you know this is just pushed to the limits of that uh you know given license to not even bother with uh you know folding in elements of high fashion to get away with uh, some of the things that bava or argento would uh here it's just like, you know you you have license to strip everyone nude and just have them fucking choreographed splashing around in a a goddamn it's, sauna for twenty minutes or not.
1: it's true it it is difficult <laughs> to gauge exactly, and I, I mean we've talked about some of the the films around this, like solo and so on, but I mean. It is difficult in one sense to gauge films of this era because any one of us in about four seconds, because we're all sitting at computers right now, could be watching the most debauched hardcore pornography for free um, because that's just the world we live in now. It's just—it's all within reach, um, you know, with, uh, with 60 plus years of innovations in the field and um, so yeah, maybe part of it's it's that it doesn't feel entirely transgressive. I think part of that is maybe because it's it's a little politically hollow. I think part of it is also just because, frankly, it didn't it didn't have to like it took a lot less to to raise blood pressure back then. I think there was you know people weren't used mm-hmm. to this kind of material in as much you know yeah. And it is and it does exist in the sense that, frankly, I mean we talk about it being a little bit more extensive than say soft core. Um, you know, I mean, this is a film of, of flaccid penises and labia visible throughout, you know, um, it, it's, it, you know, maybe that maybe that was enough. Maybe that was pushing the envelope a, a realistic amount back then. I, you know, hard, hard to say, but certainly I think from from a vantage point now, it's a film that you I think you kind of have to look at it in two modes. And yeah, one of them is production. And I think it, it exceeds expectations there. It is a spectacular looking film. It's got wonderful elements of design. But then politically is the other way to look at it and it just sort of it's it's just not a particularly intricate or interesting piece of work. I think the the, the central female characters kind of fall away in it too I don't think there's much of a viewpoint there for them uh, and as much as that would not necessarily be uh, vital it is kind of vital if you don't have other stuff to back it up. and I don't think brass does. so it's like this, this woman who her her you know committed Nazi to kind of um, kind of what we say reformed believer because she meets a soldier who basically reports back from the front lines and basically describes the horrors of war and horrors of what he's seeing and what the German army are actually doing and then kind of cuts through the the propaganda that's fed back home it it feels like a very kind of like on off binary flip the switch we can eat we need to get into the third act kind of a thing you know um, so yeah, there's limitations, but I, I will say, I mean, if you are into production design, if you enjoy just a lavishly upholstered film, by all means, you you will be impressed here. There's stuff to see here. I mean, this is like, you could double bill this with something like The Conformist as two very kind of different Italian visions of, of kind of authoritarian architecture and design. Um, the Conformist is a significantly better film. I might, might just add that. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it does, I don't stuff know. There. does it have
0: a bread dildo. You know, I don't think it's got a bread dildo.
1: I mean, it does. It has many other sexual uh, comeuppances, though, and, and dysfunctions. It's <laughs> truly no wonder Paul Schrader described the film as the Bible.
2: <laughs> you might ask yourself, what's the difference between a bread dildo and a breadstick? And the answer is is balls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crucial addition.
1: Great British Bake Off need to get on this one. They need a Salon Kitty episode.
0: <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, let's uh, let's hit the fast forward button a little bit to uh, my favorite erotic Tinto press film based on the three that I've seen now. Uh, this one, it, it really focuses in on the essence of Tinto porno, which is butts. You got to have the butts and uh, a, a woman's perspective, but in a bizarre, twisted way, uh, where, I, I guess in Tinto Brass World, it's like, all women cheat on you, and it's it's cool, don't worry about it, that's his whole philosophy on life, um, so yeah, this is the story of a woman who loves her husband so much, and she has an amazing career, her words, not mine, she works at the sexual harassment underpants store (laughs) and uh, uh she decides you know what i i need to branch out and i i need to get railed by other dudes and uh then she tells her husband about it and he thinks that she's like just making it up to turn him on and then gets mad when he finds out she's not but to her point it doesn't count because she only takes it in the butt from strangers right?
1: yeah, yeah. No, honestly uh this this is my highlight too because i think this this works pretty well because this is a very silly film and i think it's it's uh similarly beautiful looking not quite as opulent didn't quite have the budget i suspect but th- this is significant planning and design behind it and brass is that still utilizing every inch of the of the frame and throwing in weird details and stuff throughout and yeah it's it's a delightfully lightweight film and i hear i think the lightweight of it, the lightness of it actually is a is a positive you know this is it's a kind of a silly little film about how i, I think tinter the, thesis and it's repeated in cheeky which it turns out is basically just a remake of this movie for less money and with a blonde which is you know we needed it we needed an alternate perspective um but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they
0: have I, more fun.
1: Yeah, so, so it would seem. I, d- I don't, I guess maybe they do, but they have the same problems because their boyfriends just can't keep up with them. But yeah, I think Tinder Brass's main thesis is essentially that um, beautiful young women are belong to the world and they're wonderful and they just go around the place having sexual dalliances you can think of and maybe partake in, who knows, possibly for pay, who, you know, no one pays for anything here. It's delightfully clean and virginal and and free. Um. And, and that's just wonderful, and we we should never judge the women. I mean, there's it's almost progressive, all well, kind of in that you know it's not it's not like we Brass is not a man who would describe a woman as a whore. You know, it's it's a wonderful thing that beautiful women are just out there doing it. And Brass is just yeah. he's completely he objectifies
0: it. women, but like he fucking loves that object. You know, yeah, right. he yeah. has
1: a high opinion of this. It's because it contributes to the world. It's a wonderful thing.
0: Hmm it is nice yeah uh (laughs) i yeah i don't know i i love this movie in a weird way like just the offbeat humor and the the way that it leans into everything with a straight face but then i i I, it's so fucking weird uh jack you mentioned that you watched the the subtitle version Mm -hmm. which was uh, a foolish choice because the dub of this movie just it absolutely fucking rocks it's just like it's like King Lear, but you're talking about like <laughs> flossing was, your teeth with ass hair. I was, I was just going to say,
1: though, you know, it's good because I'm glad I watched the, the I watched it in Italian because it looked like the majority of the cast in this case happened to be speaking Italian. But you know, this is the movie I will probably will watch again sometime in the future. Out of the three, this is the one that I like someday. I'll be like, yeah, let's watch all ladies do it. Why not?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's I mean, aside from the dialogue. Like, this This is how great the set design is in this movie. There is this this person who, I think I described him to you guys as Italian Art Garfunkel. And he's this scuzzy dude that she meets at a party. And they're going to bang in the bathroom, but then she has to leave with her husband. Damn, that sucks. Uh, But she knows that he lives in Venice. So she's in Venice, meets up with this guy and he is obsessed with asses. You got to say he's a little bit of a stand-in for old Tinto. And he he literally lives in an ass mansion. You she walks in and it's this gorgeous Venetian like high ceiling apartment with just ass paintings just floor to fucking ceiling. They go upstairs, he has a sculpture of an ass and in the ass sculpture ass crack there is lube like jelly lube that he swipes his hand through daintily lubes up her butt and then and this is this is the part where this is what separates tinto brass in the pack um as he begins to pork her in the booty uh she actually her she's thrust through a painting of an ass her head yep, yep. acting as a phallus through the ass painting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it is and, and, then, and then
1: Steve, the camera Peaks travels. Out. Two details. <laughs>
3: didn't he say that that is his ex-wife in the painting, or an ex-lover? Yes. And then yeah. no. after, yes. and then after her head just completely smashes it. He's like, ah, it's fine. I'll
1: get it repaired. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like, no yeah, big deal he gets it. he'll get
1: it repaired but also there's that wonderful the camera travels through the black void like she breaks the painting but it's like <laughs> it's a void behind it of darkness and the camera yeah. voyages through it it's it, to me like this is
3: and funny. this is, this is a of funny ass movie too yeah. the the ass holds a lot of mystery jack and tinto brass is out yeah. there to explore it what? and crack the
1: code by
3: a darker story.
0: hole to stare into. Yeah. An ass. Shakira.
1: Shakira yeah. told us hips don't lie, but Tinto Brass has said on numerous occasions in third, like sixty-six percent of the movies we're talking about has a character say that asses don't lie. So that that's mm-hmm. a key it, part of Tinto's whole ma- mindset.
3: Yeah, he says, you know, you can you can disguise your face, you can put makeup on it, but a woman's ass will never lie, and that's a direct quote mm-hmm. from Tinto Brass. You, you could never get
1: any surgery on asses. That's definitely yeah. not a thing. Yeah. The, yeah. Don't tell wanna... Tinto he'll be broken hearted.
3: <laughs> the, It'll kill him. I, I watched the dub version as well. And just I did it because a I you know, plot is really kind of secondary to these types of films. I didn't want to focus too much on subtitles, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it added a lot of unintentional comedy uh, or maybe even intentional. Like there's a scene where she's on the train Uh, sharing a carriage with a bunch of guys and she's asking if any of them will like to have anal sex with her and one guy dubbed over says that sounds incurably romantic but this guy says (laughs) no go <laughs> I'm just laughing at the, these line deliveries, <laughs> and these it's crazy a situations. It's maniacal
2: dub this thing. I, yeah, I, yeah. It's like prose as is purple as a prolapsed anus. That's what we got <laughs> here with <laughs> <laughs> But I mean,
1: it it speaks to the fun of the film, and I mean, what what really? And again, I would say this is all. It's you know, it's this very breezy film. Um, but it's full of just little things like there's all these sexual trysts, which, yes, I mean, if you were to obje- if you were to identify them in the real world, like Steve mentions of her employment, she works in a lingerie store and it's basically just this like liminal space where women come in and they just take all their clothes off right, like pretty much straight in the door. And it's a glass fronted building and they just these other women hand them. You know, lingerie to try on, and then over on the other side, the boss is currently having sex with one of the workers, and then a customer will come in with his girlfriend and fondle both her and the sales agent while they're doing it. You know, obviously, you look at this like, oh my god, the sexual politics of this are absolutely—it's a dinosaur, it's insane. But but it's it's this playful kind of space. I mean, the whole film has this play to it. There's this scene on the boss where two men are basically trying to grope her heroin while she's just on her way somewhere. And she just ducks out of the way at the last minute and the both of them end up grabbing each other's dicks and, uh, you know, start shouting <laughs> homophobic slurs at each other. And it's legitimately a pretty funny thing. The film is full of, like, these just little weird jokes and also these, like, odd details. We've mentioned the ass mansion. Very good. But also with the lingerie store, <laughs> where else but a Tinto Brass film are you going to see mannequins with, with vaginas? because they have them here and <laughs> um, for some reason and they don't even have underwear on even though they're in a lingerie store there's nothing they have nude mannequins with anatomical details just up in the front window it's these absurd little touches that kind of like create this like garden of eden kind of you know romp and honestly i just think this mm-hmm. suits brass so much better than something like salon kitty like he's in his element here he's having fun and it feels like pretty good fun in there yeah. and to our listeners I also
0: oh go ahead Sarah I Jake. just
3: want to say there's an extended sequence and to our listeners you may have heard this or if not Colin is going to add it at the end of this video or this podcast rather there's an extended underground nightclub sex party rave sequence <laughs> where they took <laughs> oh, the geez. anthem of the 90s everybody dance now and uh, it's uh, gonna uh artist make you sweat. called sweat thank you very sissy much sissy yeah. penis factory released everybody fuck now and uh the, it's, it's just a riff on that song and it's going with with just let let the juices move you, everybody. Fuck now, and it's 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 wild. It's yeah, it almost sounds discordant.
2: Like it's, it's quite ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost most <laughs>
1: discordant, like insane dance. Like there's no rhythm to it. Like they made a dance song with no like beat to it, which is absolutely demented. Maybe there's one in the dub, but there isn't on the Italian track. It's like it just. Like weird screechy noises and stuff. It's it's uh no it's no a-
2: the backing track is is like it abandons the the CNC music factory of it all. They obviously didn't want to get sued. It's yeah, just yeah. like no, we but use think- the Martha Wash sound alike to say everybody fucked. Now played it over. Yeah, just a really <laughs> fucking nothing uh, discordant beat. Yeah, I just I love the name Sissy Penis Factory. Yeah,
0: that's just yeah. a great name for a band. I. I wouldn't have even, even thought of CNC Music Factory if I heard that name. I would I immediately went to like Incel Fear Factory or something like that. Like
1: it, <laughs> there's other it's just, like it's
0: so fucking good. There's
1: other goofy things in this stuff. Like and I feel like I feel like Brass is in on the joke. Like there's a great bit where she talks about how she has to shave her pubic hair because she can't have it hang out at the gym. And then we go to her gym and it's just pubic hair everywhere. Like everyone's in these like mm-hmm. ridiculously skimpy leotards and it's basically just a weird sex club where women do lesbian fondlings um and then have a swimming pool they all jump into and in. it's uh, absolutely <laughs> yeah, insane oh
3: yeah and one gal interrupts a conversation to n- discover a gray hair has sprouted out of her pubic yes. hair remember that mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, is she's, 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 she's
2: getting a what, oh, yeah, she's what is she saying? she's getting a grizzled coos yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that didn't make it to the subtitles i i think i can i can say that. Wow. there's another there's another amazing sequence in this where there's um where, where they have sex on the beach uh or sorry it's, it's they're not that happens in the next film there's a scene where the husband who is trying to reconcile that his wife has cheated on him and so he goes to the beach to gather his thoughts and on the beach there are like children running around. There's the waves lapping on the shore. There's a couple just openly humping on a sand (laughs) dune. And then there's a fisherman just holding a worm that zooms in. Like, it's this insane collection of of images that I think Brass absolutely understands is hilarious to put together. Like, I really, Mm -hmm. I do feel like this is comedy and it's it really... Yeah, it's just, it's just a really funny, goofy kind of a movie. And it, like it ends, like the final denou- like denouement of the film is is basically they get back together. The husband is like, no, I I have to have you the way you are. You're perfect. And someone asks uh, the, the, the leading later, what does your husband have that's so special? And she just says, nothing, but I love him. And it's, like, it's just that movie about, you know... Nothing particularly, just about, I think it's about Brassus being obsessed with with women being young and hot, and and that's the whole film, it's it's not really, it's delightfully European, I guess, if you were to go with that conception, it's about just everyone banging everyone else. And, and having a laugh I thought you it. meant it was,
0: uh, delightfully European because we get to watch the main character use a bidet, like, four times. This oh, is yeah. nothing to mention
1: for, <laughs> yeah. for Tinto Brass. All three of these movies, there is so much pissing in his movies. It is basically <laughs> asses and going to the bathroom. And yes, if Wait, you don't yeah. understand See how bidets a day, work... Hmm?
0: I, I don't have a fucking bidet. Oh, I thought, you, no, I thought I, you
2: were advocating this. Somebody was. I, I, am, I am a bidet
0: advocate. I oh. used one in, when I was in Italy. I was like, this kicks ass. Okay. It's like a fucking... Oh, man, I think of who was. might have this used is, it
2: before this, you. Is this how it works? <laughs> you, you dip in? I, did, I didn't think... I thought it was a jet. No, I didn't think you're just it's like a jet. <laughs> Sog it in not, there. That doesn't seem like an I mean, I'm, I'm no expert. I'm just no, are. A lot just,
1: of them are just a tap, like a standard faucet.
3: Yeah, as a bidet user, from my experience, it's a little nozzle or a a switch on your right you can control the uh, pressure of, and
1: it's a jet that uh, gets up in there.
3: Not a uh, stagnant
2: pool of water to soak your people No, it is (laughs) not standing
1: water in a separate bowl. A lot of bidets in Europe are just, it's just a separate... Bowl you can fill. There's not a jet. This, Again, this yeah, new this is early technology. '90s. This is not. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that so, just you
2: know. seems d- disgusting. That's like uh fucking just shoving your ass in the toilet bowl. Like, why the fuck would anyone want yeah. to do that?
0: Well, you're pretty I, much I supposed don't to know. Clean especially it. like trying to be mindful of hygiene. It's like, hey, ladies, you want to bird bath your pussy? I don't. That, that doesn't seem like a good idea.
1: <laughs> well, that's it. I, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just. Horrible. I am fucking like. Jesus Christ, guys, what's the one thing from Tinto Brass movies you will learn is how do b-days work, and it seems like three quarters of you missed it. You're just like, no, no they're not
2: like that. Understand. They are. That's we get detailed
1: <laughs> dealings in all of these movies. So much it bidet. just use yeah. Yeah. further,
2: Jack, I gotta say.
0: Man. I'm just like, I'm I'm used to the the newer models, you know? It's like, if if you're a kid and you're learning how to drive now, you're used to having a backup camera, you know, you like you don't know how to parallel park without one. So yeah. I wouldn't know what to do if I had one of these bird bath bidets, because when I when I got to Italy and I I used it for the, the first time, I, uh, I was just like, oh, yeah, take a fucking spin on one of these things. So I just like turned it on to see how it worked. And it just like shot water completely across the fucking room. So, you know, you got to watch out. It's it's like taming a wild stallion. I mean, it's I guess you can just, just put your finger pool.
1: over the faucet. I mean, they're, they're both, it, maybe they've advanced the technology. I'm just saying <sighs> it was common in the 90s if it was a B-day in places yeah. that it would just be. It's just like, we had, we had one in our house growing up that I don't think was ever used. I think it just came with the way... That Place was designed, and we used to just our dog liked to drink out We just turn it on, and he was able to reach it. And he'd like to drink out of the faucet that was what our bidet was sure. for. Oh,
2: um, man. so All yeah, the dogs do it. That's but actually yeah. a good idea for a dog bowl that you could do this as a tap, you know, you don't have to go fill it. That's that's yeah, that's pretty easy. The, 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 the other yeah, outstanding
1: mystery of the because this is the film really where this starts for me, and we can bring this into our discussion of Cheeky M. Does Tinto Brass only have one fake cock prosthetic and every actor has to share it and it goes to every film?
2: And it's oddly yeah, curved. It's, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's so well, funny. because he like... folds
3: it up and puts it in a suitcase to carry it from <laughs> set to set.
0: <laughs> and it's so modest, too. Like, you look, like it's not some, like, big-ass dong. It's just like, no, this is like... He's just like, no, just five and a half inches. This guy doesn't, I don't want him to get a big head. I mean,
1: these are films about <laughs> modest men and immodest women. It, it fits, but it is really comical that it is, I swear to God, the same, every dude reaches into his pants and pulls out the exact same <laughs> cock. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 what, like eight years later in Cheeky, every guy pulls, their, or like pulls out the exact same cock again it's it's disorienting <laughs> yeah.
0: i uh, i kept waiting for tinto brass to cast a black guy as a love interest just to see what they would use for the dick <laughs> never happened I said, well they, there's, boy, there, there's yeah, the priest
1: it's... in this one but we know he doesn't do it because they're just at the disco the disco also weirdly being a place where there is actual hardcore sex happening in the background he got like some yeah. people to do which yeah, is again yeah, the confusing I mean, midcore. like most of it's not hardcore and then the couple sit down at one point and they watch a porno movie and the movie is actually a porno movie that they're watching in the film and then this like it's just a very confusing morass of of things mm. um not sure exactly what's going on but you know it, it kind of works you i you don't guess.
2: understand you just don't understand italy jack you know you walk through a park in italy and 35 women flash the vaginas at you for no reason that's just yeah, how that it is, is my then. experience and yeah, that happens in mean, the next yeah.
1: movie and that park is in london which i've been to and i gotta say i did not get that experience
0: well that's that's a different i don't shame. know well hold on here Myers. didn't didn't kanye just get in trouble for getting a blowjob on a gondola in venice this this posits that
2: i've read entertainment news in the last decade
1: <laughs> i don't think i've heard anything about kanye since this whole nazi thing which honestly maybe he's a salon kitty fan i have no idea
2: yeah,
0: maybe maybe that's the problem. It's like did did Kanye lose his mind? Yes, but what drove him to madness? And maybe he's been watching too many Tinto Brass movies and getting the wrong well, idea. Well, uh, Kim
2: Kardashian, you know, it, it all is coming together here. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I was trying to parse some meaning from from all, you know, what what is Tinto trying to say in in all ladies do it and it, I I get I I think he might be like a secret Mormon or something. He's like, No, oh, it's fine if your wife cheats on <laughs> her, as, as long as she just taking it up the ass. Something like I think that's the grand <laughs> takeaway from from all ladies do it.
3: Right, yeah, I just want much. to back Would, up a moment, real quick. Yeah, Steve, you are correct, and in fact, Kanye was banned from the Venice Water Taxi Company for getting a blow job in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: just wanted to cover got that. A limited Go movement ahead, in that particular mm-hmm. city uh it's just kind of need the water taxis he's got to buy his own boat i guess from here on out
2: <laughs> yeah i mean he could just water wing it through the through the canals so it'll be fine wait isn't that a line in one of these movies that venice smells like a wet pussy or something?
1: yeah yep that is a line that's the thing they say that's for some reason
0: wh- Yep, I, I i never got that like i went like peak summer where it should have smelled like hot garbage because a lot of people have told me that venice smells like garbage it was lovely i enjoyed it so uh no stink to be found as far well, as I he can didn't know. Say new a stinky York.
2: pussy you know he just said you know it's uh, the right scent of sex is in the air oh i i didn't notice that either it's, i don't well, think he was, was talking about like a yeast infection or something you <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> smells like a yeast infection
0: Jesus so I think guys. I think we can
1: say this this is um a Tinto Brass is a movie for for people who enjoy a good ass uh, and enjoy yeah. janky mm-hmm. euro dance music and also people who enjoy the largest bathrooms ever conceived by humanity. I think these are the, yes. the, the overlaps. Yes. Every bathroom in a Tinto Brass movie is like a fucking airplane hangar. It is just an enormous, mm-hmm. vast space. And and it's always like there's a bidet. In one side, and then an impossibly far away from it, one single toilet. Even at the parties, it's a single-use mm. bathroom, and there's no stall. It's just one enormous space, and there's always a man in there, even though it's the ladies. So uh, that's that's a wonderful thing. Just to and point even that with out.
3: the even with the <laughs> are, are we moving on to, to cheeky because even with the the size of of like the the bathrooms and the gym in that movie, like Tinto is going out of his way to invent camera positions just so that he can ogle at a gal's ass while a scene continues. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, when yeah. we're going into Cheeky, we have our lead, the lovely Julia Mayarchuk, and she's got her new bisexual lesbian friend. Uh, they go to a sauna. They're both completely nude. They go to the, the tile steps to sit down. We cut to the underside of them as if Tinto's shooting from underneath a glass table so that they can both basically sit on... The camera lens and then just continue the conversation like that's how <laughs> up close and personal we're getting in I'm, these movies
1: i'm trying it's to think was scene. it was it yeah. fritz lang or howard hawks who said you know who had a comment that was based on like you know part of cinema is not you know shooting naturalistically it was like I can't remember the exact center of it, but he's basically saying like, you know, if you put the camera behind the fireplace and shoot two people talking through the fire, that's like, that's a better thing to do than shooting, you know, like, just like, where would we actually see it from? Uh, You know, it's something on that. It's vaguely lodged in my mind, uh, something on that line. (laughs) But yeah, Brass is clearly in that. It's all Russ Meyer and all his, the amount of sex in Russ Meyer movies on bed springs with no mattresses because you can't see through a mattress. And that just honestly just looks so goddamn painful and dangerous to me, all those uh, overlapping wires. Uh, yeah, Brass has figured it out. He's got, yeah, plexiglass and just cameras in. Vast bathrooms, so you, like, 360-degree travel around the toilet. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got it all worked out. It's perfect. Uh, that Cinema. scene
2: also, like, pivots into his his grand philosophy on life, I think, is, is you know, this woman is, is in crisis. She's she's just uh, crying her eyes out. Her, her fiancé has left her. And when consoling her, this other woman just kind of like puts a finger in her butthole. And I I think that's just Tinto's answer to everything, you know, like, if there's any problem, it can be solved by just, uh, you know, reaching around and putting your hand in someone's asshole for some reason.
0: I, yeah, did, we'll I did. I did write down, down that, Little Jack Corner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is he the one who sticks his finger in the pie yeah, and pulls out? There you
0: go.
1: Think you got it. Hopefully, not pulling anything out. But I guess the rest of it stands. Uh, I did write down that uh, yeah, uh, real estate agent Moira's lesbian fondling is the most chaotic thing I've ever seen. It's um yeah, a kind of salon kitty moment again. It, it, these women, I don't know where he hires them from, but I'm pretty sure they they. I'm not sure if they're they're doing this as their main line of business. So they all look awkward in a lot of it the lead actress in this looks very comfortable naked uh, i will give her that because and yeah. it's just as well because that's pretty much the <laughs> whole thing
2: i think the first half hour of this movie is literally just her walking around up what is uh, as i build is london i doubt it was filmed there but oh no I don't uh, think so. yeah she's she's walking around various portions of london with no panties on and then gusts of wind keep just, uh, you know, manifesting from nowhere and blowing her skirt up, and she goes, oh, oh. and that, that's pretty funniest. much an entire half hour of this film. Well, one of I the mean, funniest just like the things in this film. movie,
1: Yeah, well, one of the funniest things in this film is where she is woken up and she gets out of bed completely naked and she quickly puts on a pair of, like, <laughs> tiny heels and, and a top, a skimpy top, and then answers <laughs> the door naked from the waist down. Incredible achievement.
0: It's it's good stuff. Well, yeah, man. That's, that's, her, that's the number one way to answer the door. And that's Donald her. Ducking it.
1: Yeah, that's her boyfriend.
3: He he. She opens the door. He says, "Do you answer the door?" To everyone like that. Then they have a whole conversation. The the film is based around him finding this photo of her nude on holiday and thinks she's having an affair. She goes has her own sexual exploration. Whatever. They're having this conversation to come to terms of what their relationship is. And so they're just two figures standing in a room. And then Tinto just keeps cutting back and zooming in on her ass. And it's just these <laughs> long. Like forty five second zooms onto her, her derriere. That's and then it cuts back to them talking. Two shot, two shot. Back into the ass, zooming right in. I don't know how Colin's gonna edit a video for this. By the way, that's that's been running in the back yeah. of my head. He doesn't have <laughs> to every heavier. time. The,
1: the camera is magnetized asses in this movie. Like every oh, single yeah. time there is an ass on there, the camera slowly just starts zooming in <laughs> on it. It just starts <laughs> yeah. moving, just moving closer. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, it gets but pretty, yeah, I think uh, pretty the main, in there. The main difference between this one and All Ladies Do It, because this this is effectively a remake of All Ladies Do It. It's the exact same movie. It's about basically a sexually liberated woman who really loves her boyfriend in this case, rather than husband, and her boyfriend is basically unable to take her sexual exploits. But the difference in this one is that uh, the dude in this one's just a fucking drag. He's just a total goddamn loser, and I hate him. Uh, Because at least in the other movie in all ladies do it, the husband is like, "Okay, yeah, turns me on. You're talking about this and that. And yeah, okay, he finds out that she's actually having these affairs. And so there's a bit of a tension here. This dude is like, wait, you're naked. Why are you naked so often? It's like, have you like, have you hung out with this woman? This woman is perpetually naked. And if you're dating her, you're probably like, why would you be complaining about that? And like, particularly if you're in the place on your own, it's like, oh, my incredibly hot Ukrainian girlfriend is nude again. God, fuck my life. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? And the issue here basically is that her sexual exploits, he's just like, he's just a total drag. He just complains about everything. He's just like, oh, you go naked on the beach. I hate that. You like hung out with this guy. I hate it. And it's like, oh, God, what? She's, you know, at the end of the other movie, it's like, well, you know, what? why do you love your husband? What's a special about him? It's like nothing, but I just love him. It's like, why do you love this guy? It's like, there's no reason. Just dump him. He's a drag. He's just he's just really annoying, kind of like not even a good Italian stereotype because he's like just totally anti-sex. He's not even horny. So uh yeah no he has the funniest moment in this honestly and I I kind of I I clipped it and I I put it online I I need to if I were a better video editor, I would put the fucking that Mentos Maker theme over it. he, our boyfriend has a revelation <laughs> in a park watching another woman just being felt up on a bench. And he's just this moment. He's like, oh, and it's like a light bulb moment on camera. And he looks over and there's this just old man leering at him and nodding like, yeah, you see it too. And it turns <laughs> out that old man is the husband of the woman being felt up by a younger man on the, on the, the bench. And it, it's just like, probably the highlight of the movie for me but i just think this movie overall is just it's it's too much of a retread of all ladies do it but with a lower budget so it's not quite as opulent although brass really does some there again there's a mirror in every scene there's he does he he keeps things visually interesting but he can never quite get the the same level of opulence and then after this it's just basically like a retread but with a more annoying guy at it in it which is uh a shame and also there's the photography scene uh which we we were talking about earlier adam which i think might be the point really where brass tip tips over into something that's maybe just a little too <laughs> sorted um like where Salon he, Kitty he has casts it.
2: himself as an old man yeah he it, just jams his hand just, up a woman's pussy for no reason yeah
1: yes it is a great it's just this really it's, it's not so much that like she gets felt up by the photo booth fat old man right because that happens in all these movies it's the close-up of him sniffing his fingers afterwards yes that is just which which is extra funny because just prior to this they're kind of like the camera cuts looking around the room in this photo developing place and and one of the photos is inexplicably it's an old black and white photo of roberto Rossellini and ingrid bergman sitting together and it's like are you drawing parallels here or dunking on them it's it's very curious but that i would say is the one moment in the in this film that the, it just kind of is like oh gross like don't do that yeah. that's- <laughs> it's,
2: it's very nasty uh it's it's straight up grindhouse level stuff out of nowhere in this breezy movie uh quite literally breezy you know upskirt breeze that's just <laughs> that's the plot i think um, but I don't know. This movie, I'm not real fond of it. I guess I mean, there's some things in it that uh have me laughing, but it, it's just the year 2000 is, is not kind to this sort of stuff. It, it doesn't look great anymore. They it loses all of its uh really weird floor. There's, there's no Insano dub on this one, there's no uh, lingerie yeah. shop with like old cigar chomping men just like uh, stomping around grabbing asses for no reason. It's just it doesn't have the <laughs> same ridiculousness to it. It, it so it, it just kind of becomes dull. Like this this woman who's sexually liberated, I guess, and just parades around the city, uh, flashing her vagina at people. And that's that's basically the plot of the movie. I I, I think the highlight for me is is a scene late in the movie where uh her boyfriend is still back in Italy uh, attending like a uh chemistry lab or something you know uh and uh, for for no reason whatsoever he takes his cell phone out and and sticks it in the ass crack <laughs> he doesn't know who's sitting in front of him in this full classroom and and shouts at her swat and uh, you know you might think what the fuck's going on here Tinto but he it's it's alright, it was it was just a dream, apparently You know, it was uh, one of those Great anxiety dreams that, that mirrors my own, you got that one where you show up naked to school The one where, you know, you're not Passing your finals or whatever uh, And then somebody's trying to make your butt <laughs> talk into a <little> phone <laughs> Yeah, yeah you, you got the one Where you just uh, stick Your phone up a woman's asshole For some reason
1: See, I think my favourite scene in this movie is probably also late in the movie where uh, our heroine recounts her sexy beach encounter that produced the photograph (laughs) that inflames the boyfriend. And she does indeed have sandy beach sex with some random dude. And there's a really great slow truck into camera <laughs> as they're having sex and there's just a peeping Tom like leering yes. over the dude jacking off and it's all in slow motion. <laughs> and, and honestly again, I think Brass is having fun there. That part works pretty oh, well I for me. Have,
2: I mean that scene is there's like two separate <laughs> cutbacks to that beach sex scene. It probably takes up t- at least 10 minutes of the film and <laughs> Yeah, it's like the last thirty seconds of this huge, long, extended sequence. that looks like a fucking SI swimsuit shoot or something, and then he just pans out. And there's a guy jacking off in the
1: background. <laughs> what's What's really funny about this film is because I say it's it's a basically a retread of uh, of All Ladies Do It, um, and and even more than that, uh, it, this is a film where they have another recollection, a uh, flashback to a time when they went to go watch a movie called The Key which uh, Keyden viewers might or Keyden listeners might know is a film Tinto Brass made in 1983, I believe. Um, so so basically, they, they they go and see that movie and they discuss the themes of the movie, which happen to be the <laughs> themes of this movie, which happens to also be the themes of all ladies do it. He's literally referring to it. It's like, look, just watch this movie I already made. If you're confused, you couldn't possibly be confused. It's not that complex. Um, but yeah, he, he does all of this. And yet somehow Cheeky, is a story by Tinto Brass with four other writers. It took five (laughs) people to write this film.
2: So the theme in all three films is, uh, you know, anal sex is not cheating. So that's what we need to learn. in This newly sexually liberated world of ours.
0: Yeah, butt stuff doesn't count. Get that tattooed on your fucking arm, man.
2: (laughs) You gotta free your wives up
0: to, to have all the anal sex they want. Yep exactly uh
2: well i guess we should probably wrap things up uh Maros, what are you putting over this week well i think i i'm gonna get fucking slammed in the trash can this week i've really been letting loose i don't know but i am uh i'm putting over uh the story of a three-day pass it's uh, melvin van Peebles' first film which is uh inexplicably a french new wave film uh but yeah it, it, it's uh really weird you know it's just him going to france to get a movie made uh very godard-esque and uh but you know taking this very confrontational uh race cinema that attacked you know it's very confrontational uh toward american audiences in particular and uh a lot to say in this thing and it, it's it's a great deal of fun quite uh quite a, a jarring and powerful little film but not not in an unpleasant way it's it's got that breezy french new wave vibe so it's it's well worth your time if you haven't seen it all right jack what are you putting over this week
1: you know i'm i'm going to put over something that's very easy to watch provided you have a movie subscription or i guess you probably find it online but i'm going to put over yuki son which is five minutes long, so you can you can definitely squeeze this one into your day. It is directed by Hayao Miyazaki, Uh the the great Studio Ghibli cantankerous man who won't retire because he hates his son, um, you know, wonderful wonderful guy, uh, and it's basically it's, I think it's newly restored, but it's I think the first maybe the first thing or one of the first things Miyazaki ever got a credit as director for, and it's basically like a five minute teaser reel for a proposed television show about a young girl who's orphaned and she's a you know a typical Miyazaki heroine you know she's a boisterous tomboy but with you know very sensitive sensibilities as well and it's basically it's five minutes so it's basically like kind of like jumping around in a story that they promised to tell properly if they they made the tv show but the tv show was never actually made so it's really just this kind of five minute example of just how much Miyazaki had in him from 1972 it's there's so much energy and vibrancy here already so yeah Yuki son it's it's on movie it's five minutes long it's you may be able to find it elsewhere probably at that length it'll probably migrate over to YouTube before you know it um so yeah definitely worth checking out
0: the Logan Roy of animation uh, Jake what are you putting over this week? <laughs>
3: Yeah, keeping it nice and simple, Um, I'm going to put over The Killer, the new film by David Fincher. It's on Netflix, or if you want to try to get it elsewhere, you can. Or it may even still be playing in some theaters. But uh, I uh, heard of the mixed reviews going into it, and uh, lo and behold, I absolutely loved it. Um, One of the secrets as to why it works is that it's actually a really funny film. About a guy screwing up a bunch. Uh but uh it might even inspire me to write a full review. So stay tuned for that. Who knows? But yeah, for now, if you want a really good, impeccably made, slick good time, I could not recommend this more. Check it out.
0: You think Fincher's ever seen a Tinto Brass movie? No.
3: Gosh, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> Maybe a Russ Meyer. <laughs> I'll
0: uh, I'll ask him the next time I see him. Well, this week uh, i I'm, I'm gonna put over a little John Waters. Uh, I watched Crybaby for the first time in, God, like 20 fucking years or something. It's great. I didn't like it much when I saw it as a teenager. Uh, definitely hits better when you get a little bit older, I think. Uh, but yeah, it's it's super fun. And then it's even more fun when you consider that this was coming off of Hairspray. So every single major studio was in a bidding war to release John Waters' Crybaby in 1990. And that is absolutely fucking hilarious to me. Like, I cannot think of anything funnier than that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so uh, watch Crybaby if you haven't watched in a while. It's damn good. That being said, if you enjoyed the podcast this week, do us a favor. There's a link to our Patreon in the description. And that'll take you, well, to our Patreon page where you can give us money. And why would you want to give us money? Well, it costs money to uh, pay for this podcast. we got to pay for hosting. Sometimes you got to get a new microphone. What if what if Steve falls ill with mono and, you know, he he runs out of salt to gargle? Then how, do, how does he fix his shitty voice? Who knows? But if only I had the financing that comes with Patreon, then maybe I could afford to cure myself and not sound like a piece of shit. Uh, anyways, if you give us money at any level, you it's not like you, you just walk away empty handed. Oh, no. Uh, First of all, you're going to get access to our full Patreon feed, which is a ton of old written and uh, podcast content, as well as new Patreon only episodes. And of course, I will send you, if you live in the continental United States, a movie from my personal collection. What will it be? A DVD, a Blu ray, a laser disc, a VHS tape? You have no fucking idea. I have all kinds of weird, dumb shit. I think I'm going to, I haven't bought it yet, but somebody is releasing a shot on video slasher that was made in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in like 1991 on VHS, they're releasing it complete with era and region appropriate commercials that are spliced in and uh, I'm gonna buy that shit maybe I'll get you a copy too who the fuck knows, hard to say at this point Uh, so yeah that's cool Um, also if you donate at a higher level you get even more perks, you can vote in patron-only polls, and, uh, yeah, if you're $5 and above, you also get your name right out on the
2: air, so, Myros, who we at, uh, who's at five and above right now? Uh, you know, the people who have weathered the storm of our endless, uh, perversions are, uh, David, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula, which, oh, God bless them. God
0: bless them. Uh, yeah, so, and then if, if you really want to take that extra step, like, uh, I, I think one of our patrons is the one who kicked off <laughs> the erotic month that is yes, not November. And, uh, it just costs $25. And then for $25, you can choose an entire episode. Anything you want, we'll cover it. So, uh, keep that in mind. Other than that, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, uh, methods for getting someone's voice to sound normal again, uh, you can email us, OptimismVaccine at com, or you can tweet at us, Blue Sky at us, whatever social media us at OptimismVaccine. We're probably there. You can talk to us. And I think that's about it. So, uh, Jake, last word's yours. That's a lot of ass. <laughs>
3: Spoon Tang is live in effect and I don't waste time Rocking the boat if you don't mind Fuck to the rhythm, fuck, fuck to the rhythm, fuck And I'm here to combine Sex with lyrics to make you wet in your pants Take a chance, come on and bang Fellas, grab a hoe, don't wait, make a date It's a goal and I'm just a mole trying to squirt a nut inside your what? On the dance floor, so yo, give it up Hands like a snake, come on and take A piece of ass over here, a piece of ass over there The crowd is stuck and I like to fuck Party people in the house, come on and
2: fuck
0: Let my